Our gospel reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, and this is from the message. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all of the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort out the people, he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you are who are you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here is why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? thirsty and give you drink? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, get out worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes, sick and in prison and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you fail to do one of these things to someone who is being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, before I start, um, I just want to make sure if, you know, uh, if you're a visitor that I am not the pastor here. I'm just a lay servant, which is why I picked the word servant. Um, if you are a visitor, please come back on the 24th because Pastor Clark is always wonderful uh, to hear his messages. Oh, 23rd. Sorry, 23rd. Um, that's because I didn't have it written down. <laughs> well, years ago, and I won't say how many, my wife was working as a researcher in a biology lab at CWRU's medical school. She was working with some colorful characters, and one morning she arrived at the lab and couldn't stop laughing. It seemed that several of the people working in the lab had spent a little too much time at the Euclid Tavern the night before because they came back to the lab and using a label maker, labeled everything in the lab. And I mean everything in the lab. If it was a 
cups, speakers, pencils, chairs, if it had a name, it had a label. And I've just been thinking of it that, you know, that sounds like it would be an episode of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> um, I believe it's in our very nature to label things. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, the first charge of God to Adam is to name all the living things. Labels help us to organize our world if they're used in the right way. As a visual art teacher, I have to add that one of the coolest things as humans is we don't just use word labels, we have visual labels, and we call them icons. So if I say to you, I want you to imagine a flower, you know, get a picture of a flower in your head, how many of you see this? Right? <laughs> how many of you would draw this? <laughs> that I'm sure almost everybody would draw this. Oh, what about this one? Maybe this is the flower that you, you would think of. Or what if I said the word tree? Maybe this would come to mind. Yeah, I raised my hand on that one. Um, you know, this is my daughter's favorite tree. She drew this all the time, and she always put the little circle, the little hole in the tree. And one day I said to her, Betsy, what's the hole in the tree for? And she said, well, that's where the owl lives. So I showed her, we went outside, and we looked at a bunch of trees, just a whole bunch of trees. And I said, none of these have holes. So the next time she drew the tree, she drew the hole, and she drew the owl in the hole, just to prove me wrong. <laughs> or what if I said the word sun? You know, this is the type of thing that comes to mind. So earlier, each of you were asked to find a name tag that had a word on it that you felt said something about you. And I know some people just grabbed one, and they were all nice words, so I wouldn't, probably wouldn't make a difference which one you picked. But uh, I would like you to take a moment, and if you're next to somebody, or if you're able to, turn to somebody close to you, and just make a brief positive comment about that label, what, what they said. It could be something like, that is the best word for you. I love that word for you. Anything like that. So if you turn to somebody, take a, just take a minute. Okay, thank you. So by now, you know that I asked you to literally label yourself. So how many of you would have guessed the word for the person you spoke with? Or perhaps you were surprised by their choice? There's a lot of power in these words, especially when you wear it, when, or given it to wear as a, like, a, or like a label. Words can be great when they are not used in a judgmental way. During my 27 years as a teacher, there have been no less than three labels for students with special needs. And over time, those labels have been abandoned because they ended up being used in an ugly way. Now, I don't put only nice words into the stack of name tags, 
Um, I wonder how you think your conversations would have been if we used one of these words, like wicked. These are all turned around. Vengeance. Hate. Sinner. Procrastinator. Yeah, I guess I got to <laughs> wear that one. <laughs> at least I didn't put fool on. <laughs> um, yeah, my wife at first service laughed when I pulled up procrastinator, and she knew it was definitely for me. Um, but what about uh, this label? Because um, Jesus squarely put this label onto Peter, Satan. So words have strength. My wife and I attended a church on a recent vacation, and outwardly it seemed like a very open and comfortable place. They had a small praise band and sang the same praise songs we do. In fact, three of the songs they did we had done just the week before here. The people in attendance were friendly, and I was very comfortable there until I was surprised when the pastor was reading scripture, which was projected, like ours, on a wall next to him. And he changed a word. Just a single word. Now, the text dealt with people who may, who may have fallen out of communion with the early church. And the change was from a word that was rather broad and could encompass a lot of people to a word that was targeted to a specific group of people. And because of that one word change, I didn't feel the same kind of comfort being there. Words have power for both good and bad. Now, when we look at today's scriptures, they tell us something about how we look and treat people. I think that we know the labels we assign to others influence our perceptions of them. James clearly tells us that we should talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you refuse to act kindly, how can you hardly expect to be treated kindly? Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Just a few verses earlier, James reveals what that rule is, and they're words that the scripture reveals again and again. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote that Jesus said, you shall love God above all and love your neighbor as yourself. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, for the whole law is summoned up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting that James also wrote in chapter 4, verse 12, there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So then, are you to judge your neighbor? Several years ago, I sang an offertory song for the first service, and I can't remember, I may have sung it for the second as well, I, I just don't remember, but I know I sang it in the first service. And in getting ready for the song, I did my normal routine of singing it over and over and over, probably two, three hundred times in that week, 
and it's usually done in my car. The more I sang the song, the more deeply its words rang into my soul. It was a Colton Dixon song named Let Them See You In Me. And while I love the entire song as it reads like a prayer, the lyrics that resonated with me started with, does the man I am today say the words you need to say? Let them see you in me. Let them hear you when I speak. Let them feel you when I sing. Let them see you. Let them see you in me. So for me, the first thing that made me really think was, does the man I am today say the words you need to say? I came to take that to mean, have I become strong enough to surrender myself and say and do the things that show God to others who cross my path? How do I choose my words? Can I choose to be kind and honest at the same time? Can I allow myself to say what God needs me to say? When you took the moment to comment on, hello, my name is, did it feel good to give a compliment, saying something positive? Perhaps then you were saying the words that God needed to say to that person. Did you ever want to say those words to that person before? And if you didn't, if you did and didn't, what stopped you? The reading from Matthew's gospel is one that is very familiar to us. The reading tells us a couple of things. First, Jesus tells us that the Son of Man will be seated in his rightful place as judge. Remember what James wrote, there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But then Jesus also tells us how people are being judged. He was hungry and you fed him, thirsty and you gave him drink, homeless and you gave him a room, shivering and you gave him clothes, sick and you visited, in prison and you came. Now I remember hearing and reading those words as a child and as a child I understood that when Jesus said whenever you did those things you did it to me. That meant I should be looking for him in those I meet and in those I help. But now I believe there's a deeper meaning. The difference between the sheep and the goats was did you do God's work? that God needed to be done? Were you the face, the hands, and words of God for those you meet? It makes me think of YSP and how everyone looks for God sightings, continually looking at the actions of others to find the power of God. Yet if you look at it from the other perspective, those who do the work at YSP are a God sighting for those they do the work for and for those they do the work with. It goes back to asking a question raised by that song, can they see you in me? It can be very easy to judge people who are in need, but you stop doing that when you wonder if they can see God in you. It's easy for us to say whatever is on our mind, and we seem to be living in a society that is getting meaner and quicker to judge, quicker to say things that are hurtful and hateful, as there seems to be no consequences in doing that. And our scriptures are telling us to be kind and caring, non-judgmental, and to love others as we love ourselves. Every year, I have students come up to me and say, Mr. J, how do you do it? 
I would go insane if I had to work with some of these annoying kids every day. And I had to turn to them and simply tell them that what I do is I overlook what I find annoying. And I concentrate on the traits of that person that I really like. And then I tell them, you should give it a try. This week, I hope that we all hear the words of the song and pray along. Let them see you in me. Let them hear you when I speak. Let them feel you when I sing. Let them see you. Let them see you in me. Amen.